Welcome to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. Have you ever wondered why God asks people to change their lives? It has more to do with the relationship than we often think. Join us as we continue our series, High Fidelity, about our relationship with God and the covenants that He makes. Today, as we begin our conversation about God's covenants, I want to I want you to think back if if you've had the privilege of well dating somebody. Remember that day you know, boy and girl meet. Whether it be maybe maybe you're thinking about your fiance, your significant other, maybe your your future spouse. But oftentimes a boy and girl meet, right? And I know that in these days things are a little bit different than they used to be. But often, we, we meet somebody that we may begin to like and begin to love through either a mutual group of friends or through a family friend and things like that. I remember, particularly in my 20s, dating was like that. It was a guy and a girl and a group of friends begin to spend time with each other. They get to know each other in this group of friends, and they do things, but then they begin to, you know, have eyes for each other. Oh, hi, how are you doing? Good to see you. Hi. And they start to maybe want to do some things away from that group of friends, maybe a little bit more intimate conversations, get to know each other a little bit more, and they begin to hang out in away from those friends, and maybe a dinner here and a movie here, you know, the things that we used to do before a pandemic. <laughs> and they begin to really like each other, but, you know, they some of the actions show that, but it's still, you know, there's a little bit of mystery, right? A little bit of mystery, even though the arm might come around the other during the movie or maybe a hand is held, there's still a little bit of mystery. Are we a thing? Are we together? Are we, some of you will remember this term, going steady, right? So <laughs> you remember that term. And so then comes the conversation. The conversation that some, and oftentimes we stereotype young guys, dread, the Define the relationship conversation. <laughs> are we really to, are we really a thing? Are we really boyfriend and girlfriend? Are we really e- exclusive? Are we like are we doing this thing? And this conversation is important because for for some of us we have to have that clarity, right? We have to know whether or not this person is actually serious about this relationship like I might be. And so they have this define the relationship conversation. It's about clarity. It's about being totally honest and being really, truly, well, clear about their faithfulness to each other. They're trying to understand who they are in relation to each other and the rest of the world. Because if they're not actually boyfriend and girlfriend, then, well, maybe I'll start hanging out with this person or this person or things like that, right? Basically, everything changes after that conversation. Their relationship changes. Their relationship with others change. Today, we are going to look at a defining the relationship conversation from God. 
to his people. We're continuing our series called High Fidelity, which is really a, an examination of the covenants God has made throughout the ages. What are covenants? They are the commitments that God has made. And in those covenants, God is very clear about who he is, about how he relates to people, and how he hopes they would relate back to him. That's what this series has been all about. And we've been looking at the covenants. The first covenant was the covenant he made with the entire world after the flood, where he said, hey, world, I know that you have great capability for evil. I'm not going to destroy the world again because of your evil through flooding. That's the covenant. It's a commitment he makes. No matter how bad you all might be, I'm sticking with you. And then last week, we looked at a covenant where he makes a specific relationship with two individuals. And he says, you are going to become a great nation. And you're going to have a kid. And they're like, we're 100. How are we having a kid? And he says, you're going to have a kid. And it's like, you're crazy. And he renames the people. He gives them an identity. And he asks that, he, that they would just walk with him and trust him. Today, we move forward a few centuries. And the people that came from that couple, Abraham and Sarah, became a nation known as Israel. And Israel is in a land called Egypt. And Egypt takes advantage of the nation of Israel. He, they enslave them. They treat them with great prejudice and injustice. And they exploit them as a people. Essentially, Egyptians, the Pharaoh and, and the leaders and things like that would kill Israelites if they decided to. They would take from them what they wanted. Essentially, Israel only knows power above them as power that seeks to take from them. And this nation is crying out, and God hears them. And over the course of a number of events... God liberates Israel. He liberates them. He sets them free. And he moves them out of Egypt. And maybe if, you've, to, to, if you really want to get a review, you can watch the Prince of Egypt later this week or something like that. All the plagues and the Red Sea splitting and going into the wilderness and God leading them and all these different kinds of things. But he gets to a certain point where he wants to reiterate and repeat to them that you are my people. I'm your God. You're my people. But what does it mean to be God's people? And so he lays it out for them in a covenant at Mount Sinai. So today we're going to read in Exodus chapter 20, beginning with verse 1. If you have your Bibles or your phones or wherever it might be. Exodus chapter 20. And remember, all of this... All of this has been said after God says to them, I am your God, you be my people. You be my people, and I'm going to bless you so that you are a blessing in the world. And so these words are understood in that, in that, in that relationship. We read Exodus chapter 20. Then God spoke all of these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt out of the house of slavery. You must have no other gods before me. Do not make an idol for yourself, no form whatsoever of anything in the sky above or on the earth below or in the waters under the earth. 
Do not bow down to them or worship them, because I, the Lord your God, am a passionate God. I punish children for their parents' sins, even to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. But I am loyal and gracious to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. Do not use the Lord your God's name as if it were no significance. The Lord won't forgive anyone who uses his name that way. Remember the Sabbath day and treat it as holy. Six days you may work and do all of your tasks, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Do not do any work on it. Not you, your sons or daughters, your male or female servants, your animals or the immigrant who is living with you. And because the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and everything that is in them in six days, but rested on the seventh day, that is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and mother, so that your life will be long on the fertile land that the Lord your God is giving you. Do not kill. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not testify falsely against your neighbor. And do not desire your neighbor's house. Do not desire and try to take your neighbor's wife, male or female servant, ox, donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. Oh, yeah, I've heard these before. This is the Ten Commandments. I know what you're talking about now, right? And if you're thinking we're going to go through every single commandment today, we're not. This is about the relationship that God is setting up with his people. And if you really would like a, a, a commandment by commandment breakdown, we did a series about a year ago. I know. I know it felt like three years ago, but a year ago in, in January, it does for us, how it actually brings freedom to us. And so if you want to go back, you can go on championize.org. If you're on, online right now, you can go back and listen, podcast, all those different kinds of things. That's not what we're looking to do here, though, today. We are looking at the relationship that God is communicating and inviting his people to be a part of. And what's really interesting is that God reminds them I liberated you. I saved you. God is telling them exactly who he is. Remember that I have saved you. You don't have to do anything to earn this saving. It's already done. I want you to be my people because I'm your God. I said I'm your God. So God is identifying himself to his people, quite frankly, in a way that shows that he is deeply committed to them and has done things for them that has transformed their lives completely. And what's really interesting in these first few commandments, you have about some, some would say there's four commandments in relationship to God and six commandments to your neighbor. It's almost like the, there's a middle one that actually involves God and neighbor. But the first few commandments, God really sort of shows who he is, right? He says things like, I am the God of the sky above and the earth below and the earth in the waters underneath the earth. You see, in this time and day, there were gods that guided all of those different spheres. They don't an ancient Hebrew understanding is very different than us. There were gods in that time and day that ruled the sky and then ruled here and then ruled below. And what God is 
Why God says don't make an idol of any of those things or with any of those things is quite frankly, he's trying to share with them that I am a God that is a God of all of it. All of it. There are other gods. I created it. I created everything. And I am the one true God. So the God who created everything, who sustains everything, is Israel's God, is their liberator. Think about that for a second. The God of the cosmic universe has chosen this nation. I am your God. That's a big thing, is it not? That this God cares for them. That this God has saved them. That this God wants blessing for them, for them to be a blessing to others. So God's identity is bigger, but comes in and blesses Israel uniquely in this moment. Why is that important? Because it's really important to recognize that God doesn't say, I will stop being your God if you don't do these things. That's not what God says in the Ten Commandments. And sometimes we think that way. We're like, well, the Ten Commandments is what, how God wants us to act, and so that's how we make him happy. No. God wants you to act that way, sure. But he is already in love and committed to his people. He is their God. There ain't anything going to be a change in that anytime soon. And so we need to recognize that the Ten Commandments are not given as a means of salvation. In other words, do these things and you will be saved. They were saved already. Rather, these Ten Commandments is a rules for guidance in the new life, in the new relationship that they have with the one who has saved them. This is God telling Israel, I'm defining the relationship. This is, I am your God. This is how you be my people. And so I think sometimes we read these things and we treat these things as something to uphold over the relationship with God. Well, God, is, God isn't asking for the Israelites to be perfectly in line with the commandments. He's not looking for allegiance to the commandments. He's looking for allegiance to him and him alone. That's why he says some of the things, I'm a passionate God. I'm a jealous God. Nothing else in life should guide your life except me, your God. Terence Fretheim says this, it is obedience to the one who gives the law. It is to keep God himself and loyalty and allegiance to this God as the focus of their attention in these matters. But what's so interesting is that God just doesn't define the relationship between the people and him. He then brings in commandments that sort of define relationship with others. Keep the Sabbath holy and don't make your people work that day. That's a relationship to a neighbor. 
honor your father and mother. Do not kill. Do not commit adultery. Do not covet your neighbor. These are things that seem quite, well, it has everything to do with other people. Why in the world would the God of everything, who seems to demand allegiance to himself and him alone, look besides him, his own relationship with his people to the other people around them? Because God is the God of the entire world as well. And God is showing them that to be his people is to live in the way that he designed everyone to live in his creation of the world. So for Israel, they are to live this way in response to God's amazing gift of life, of liberation, of salvation. They have been blessed, and they begin to bless those around them by living in the way that God wants them to live. These commandments are the authoritative instruction for shaping God's people so that they may be a witness to the world about the God who delivered them from bondage. And this is radically different than what they were used to. Actually, it's still radically different to what we are used to, honestly. Because you see, the powers of the world, the powers that are guided by sin and death, often kill to get their way. Often take from those who they can take from, often look to exploit and bring forth injustice and all of these different kinds of things. And Israel was used to that. I think sometimes we're used to that. And we sometimes believe that God wants us to do those same things. But no, God brings salvation and then says, live in this new life. Be a blessing to those around you. This is how you be my people. Ten Commandments subverts the way of living to which the people called Israel had been subjected. Not only this, but it stands as a decree that critiques the abuse of power and the subjugation of people like no other thing. God is telling them, I love you, and this is how I desire the world to be. completely in alignment or completely committed to the God who created and completely committed to the ways that God wants the world to be. If you've ever wondered why God asks people to live a certain way, this is why. God asks human beings to not kill each other, to not lie, to not steal from each other, to not desire what other people have. To, to, and this is just a baseline, by the way. God asks this of his people, who he has saved to live this way, to bring forth his will and his kingdom. 
For us, we are not Israel. This is a covenant with Israel. But there did come a man named Jesus who fulfilled the covenants of the Old Testament that were made with Israel in completion by the way that he lived and by the way that he died on a cross and the way that he was resurrected from the dead. And Jesus brought this new covenant of life for all, for all and single one of us. You don't have to be a part of Israel. You can have new life. You are saved from the sins. You are saved from who you have been. And he brings you new life. And this relationship is given. It says, just believe in me. Begin to follow me, Jesus asks all of us today. And we see the same exact pattern that God had with Israel. God saves, then he asks for you to live in the way that he wants you to live. And Jesus summed it up so eloquently. Love God, love your neighbor. Ten commandments down to one commandment. More than ten commandments, down to one commandment. Love God. Love your neighbor. You don't kill your neighbor if you love them. You don't desire what they want if you love them. You don't lie about them, or you don't lie to them if you love them. You don't look to exploit them and work them to death if you love them. Love God. Love your neighbor. Jesus, friends, has shared with us, quite frankly, I love you. Be my disciple. Be my son and daughter. And we stand on the other side of that offering to say, okay, how do I be that disciple? Love God. Love your neighbor. God has defined the relationship with Israel. God has defined the relationship with us. And the question is, are we exclusive with God? Are we completely committed to him and the life that he desires for this world? This is how God relates to us, friends. He saves us and offers us new life. The way we relate back to him is to say, okay, I love you, I commit to you, and I will live the way you want me to live. God is so clear. I don't know why we try to mess it up all the time. People say, how do I do God's will? Do what he tells you. Love God, love your neighbor. Coming back to boy and girl at the beginning. The reason why romantic relationships have these conversations is to, again, begin to live in a way that is different than before. If they're not going to be boyfriend and girlfriend, well, then they're not going to change how they are acting or how they are relating with other people. They might do things that they wouldn't do if they were actually committed to each other. Same kind of thing with friendship. 
you might say that, oh, yeah, they're my friend. Are you really friends with them? Do you actually consider them? Do you love them? Do you see how they're doing? Or is the only conversations about you or about asking something of them? See, we like to think that we can say we're a Christian, or we can say we're a friend, or we can say we're boyfriend and girlfriend, but if our actions show otherwise, then are we really being that person? No. For those of us in our marriages, yeah, I'm the, I'm the spouse of that person. Do you love that person? Or if you're not living to that, are you really living into your spousal identity? Defining the relationship conversations that God has with us should stop us. If we're not a Christian, if we're not a disciple, maybe we begin to realize that, oh, I can accept this gift, this life, and something brand new happens. But if we're already consider ourselves a disciple or a Christian, and our lives don't reflect it, then are we really being faithful to him as he has been faithful to us? Being a disciple of God, being a, person, a son and daughter of God is waking up every day and embracing God as Lord of our lives intentionally and living in that way. Just like for you to be a friend is waking up every day and thinking of the friend that you call friend, talking to them, making sure they're doing okay. Just like a, a married couple wakes up every single day and say, I have to decide to love this person no matter how much they drove me nuts yesterday. To be a parent, you have to wake up every day even though your child done things that really, really bug you. To be, <laughs> to be faithful is to intentionally live into the identity that God has given us. So when we hear his commandments, may we not think, oh, I got to make God happy. God already loves you. Rather, may we recognize that this is the way that we are his children, his disciples. And may we live faithfully to him as he has been faithful to us. Thanks for listening to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. We hope that you are inspired by this week's message. Because of the current pandemic, our services are limited to an online presence. You can join us on Facebook and YouTube every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information about our ministries, or if you'd like to contribute to our ministries online, visit us at championnaz.org.